We're going to jump right into our message because I, I don't have a whole lot of time this morning. Um, we've been in this series asking for a friend, and uh, you've hit me with some hard ones this year, but I, I really like the challenge. I don't ever want to back down from the hard questions of faith because God gives answers to those who are seeking. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't ever want to be a person who says, well, you just got to have faith. You just got to believe. You just got to believe. We need to find where scripturally God is speaking to these things, what he's saying about them, and, and formulate a theology that leads us closer to the heart of God, not just simply saying, well, just believe, just believe. And so this week, I, I wanted to try to tackle a couple of, of questions that I got, roll them into one. But really coming down to these, a couple ideas here, first is this. What does the Bible say about sickness and healing? All right. What does the Bible say about sickness and healing? How many of you have ever been sick before? (laughs) Everybody, right? (laughs) Listen, ladies, just as a public service announcement, I wanted to make this aware because not many people know this. Um, When... When men and women get a cold, it's not the same thing. There's something in the male chromosome that increases the pain of a cold um, and, and makes it 10 times worse than what you ladies experience. So I know you're thinking to yourselves like, oh my goodness, why is he acting like he's dying? It's just a cold. It's a real thing. It's been scientifically proven. You can find it. Somebody says it on YouTube, I'm sure. But uh, it, so we've all been sick. How many of you have ever experienced miraculous healing? Anybody in here? I'm keeping my hand up for that. Yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, miraculous healing is something that takes place. It's something that happens. There are testimonies. There are stories that people in this room would have uh, of how God has miraculously healed them. But we need to formulate a theology because there are a lot of questions surrounding these things. And so the first part thing I wanted to kind of dive into today is, is tied to sickness and healing. And that is, why do bad things happen to innocent or good people? right? Why do bad things happen to good people? Because this is a question that we come up with a lot. You know, if God is so good, why does he allow this, right? If God is so good, why did this happen? If God is so good, why this? Why this? And we hear these questions a lot, right? We ought to be able to give an an answer for that, all right? Because God has given us an answer for who he is and what he's done. So we're going to start today in Genesis chapter 1, all right? So if you have a Bible, you can get in your Bible. If you don't have one, there are Bibles in the pew. Normally, I get it, some of the, the, the scriptures are hard to find. Genesis is in the very beginning. You can't miss it, okay? Um, so turn to Genesis chapter 1. It's going to be like right after the table of contents. Genesis 1. And, and this is the creation account, okay? This is the account that we get from God in which he creates everything in, his, in existence. And we're just going to read verse 31 to start here, okay? Because it summarizes everything that God made. Here's Genesis 1.31. Here's what it says. God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. All right. God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was very good. So again, we have this moment. God creates everything. He looks back upon it. He's satisfied. All right. Everything I made is good. Everything is the way I intended it. Everything is good for, pe- for humanity because uh, people are already created at this point. It, it is exactly the way I intended it. Now, we're going to have a gap here for a second. Let me fill it in. We all know the story of Adam and Eve right? Adam and Eve, God puts them in the garden. He blesses them with everything that they could have. And he says, I've got one rule. And every parent in here knows that if you've got children, that's exactly one rule too many. Okay. Right. You can go anywhere, do anything, but you can't do this one thing. Then the kids are like, Oh, I want to do that one thing. Right. Well, it's our human condition. We're in the same boat with this. Okay. 
So sin comes into the world and they sin against God. And that's really what this represents is, is just rebellion against God. God says, don't touch my tree. And people are like, I'm going to touch that tree. God's like, no, don't touch my tree. I'm touching the tree. Okay, that's just our human condition. We're rebellious. Okay, so Adam and Eve go and they sin against God and God has to punish them before their rebellion against him. And this is what he says. And we'll flip over a couple pages to Genesis 3 verse uh, 16 is where we're going to start here. God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth. All the ladies in here are like, thanks, Eve. Thanks. Appreciate that. All right, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So here's the two ends of what we've got going on here. God creates everything, and it's perfect. Okay, think of it in these terms. God created such a perfection. Adam and Eve didn't have to go to work. They didn't have to put on clothes. All right. Now I know for some of you that's like, I'm so glad we wear clothes. Can I just give an amen to that? Like, thank you, Jesus. But it's only because of the fall that we think that. Okay. But but you know, if you have one of those days where you're like, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to put on any clothes. This was part of what God gave them. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to get dressed up. You can be provided for from me through everything that I want. But sin enters into the world, and notice what it says here. There is an effect on humanity, but then he also speaks of an effect on creation. He says the ground is cursed because of you. Because of your sin, the world has been changed. And it is at this moment that when sin enters into the world, that even the incredible things, the way that God had created them, they became destroyed by the sin nature. And from this point on, God says, listen, the ground is no longer just going to shoot up food for you. You're going to have to till the soil, plant the seeds, pull the weeds, and do all the work. You're not just going to have children. It's going to be painful. And listen, we all know children are painful. Uh, But, (laughs) sorry. You're going to have these things and it's not going to be easy to you. And here's the reality. Sin produces human struggling. Think of all of the human struggling in the world today. All of it is somewhere, somehow connected to the sin nature. There are people in this room who maybe you've experienced things that someone else did to you. It's the sin nature of someone else. You didn't deserve it. It wasn't God's intention for you. I get so frustrated when I hear people talk about trauma that they've experienced and someone whose response is, well, that must have been God's plan for you. Please hear me. There are sinful things that happen in our world that are not God's will. They are not God's will that they're happening, okay? That's why Jesus had to teach his disciples, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I gotta pray for this because it's not happening. God did not intend these things to break you, but sin brings in brokenness. And whether it's your sin, and and again, not everything that you go through is because you're a sinful person, but let's be honest, there are some things we go through because we rebelled against God. We sinned against God. Sometimes we make bad choices. And when we do, there's a consequence. Not because God hates us, but because he loves us. And so sin produces human struggling. Everything that we look at. Because here's the reality. God did not create sickness. God did not create disease. God did not create this brokenness. He created a perfect world, looked at it and said, it is good. 
But when sin came into the world, it took the good thing that God had created and destroyed it. I know critics will say, "Why? how is it fair that God get all the credit for the good things and none of the blame for the bad things? Well, that's because we did it and he didn't. God created something good and we messed it up. And we who were then afterwards born in sin. Listen, I don't know who the youngest child is in here right now. I'm looking around. We had some babies. There. Oh, there's Millie. Millie is probably the youngest baby in here. Can you believe little Millie was born sinful? Oh. Just like her daddy. Not like her mom. Not like her mom. That <laughs> no, listen, we were born in sin, and, and roughly when you have children, you're looking at this innocent child, you're like, there's no way this child was born into sin. When they get to be about 18 months old, you're like, I get it. I get it. They are born sinful. Two years old, four years old, just, there's something sinful in this child. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. We, <laughs> yes, yes. Sin produces human struggling. Okay, but there's hope, all right? And this is what we have to look to as we look to, to Jesus. I want you to flip to Romans chapter five. If you've got a Bible, you're gonna go about halfway through it and you'll see probably the book of John keep going until you hit Romans. This is what we see spoken about Adam's sin and what Jesus did to solve this sin issue, to, to destroy it. Romans five verses 12 to 17. It's a little long, but we need to read all of it. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, and so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was, there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey any explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though, can you say even though? Even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. What an awesome passage, right? Sin came into the world because of Adam and Eve, but here's the reality. We all know that we're partakers of the sin nature that's inside of us, right? From that time we became 18 months old and our own corrupt thoughts and thinking and desires began to come to fruition to the point to which we have to lay those down and be begin to surrender them to Jesus, right? We see the sin nature coming out, but we don't leave, live there hopelessly because we have the hope of Jesus, who came so that we could be overcomers who do not have to live as slaves to the sin nature. Listen, if you feel like in your life you're in a place where you're like, hey, I've got this sin that I struggle with and I just can't get past it, I can't get over it, and I, I guess I'm just always gonna be this way. Listen, take victory in Jesus' name because Jesus went to the cross to defeat the sin in our lives. There is nothing left in us that should remain ungodly that, because Jesus already paid for it. And this is what we read in Romans 5. He says, sin came into the world through Adam, this one man. 
But Jesus, but Jesus came to destroy the effect of sin on humanity. And here's the reality. Jesus is the only hope for our human struggling. Jesus is the only hope for our human struggling. In this world, you will have many troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said to his followers. You're going to go through some tough things. Has anybody in here experienced a peaches and cream lifestyle since following Jesus? It's the one time I'll accept that no one raised their hand. No, because it's not easy. In this world, we have trouble. We have tribulations. We have trials. We still live in a fallen, sinful world. And there are effects of this sin nature that play out all the time. Because I don't know about you, ladies, fill me in. Since Jesus' death and resurrection, has childbirth become easier? Not that I've heard of. I mean, I didn't feel anything when our our kids were born. It was, you know, no problems. (laughs) Because I was smart even then. (laughs) No, I did not stand close. I was just kind of like, you're doing good, babe. Good, good job. I'm going to go get some food. Literally, that's what I did. That's not a joke. Um, It still hurts. I don't know about you. I still got to go to work every day. You still got to go to work every day. We still got to toil for the things that we need. It's not coming naturally. These effects of sin are still playing out because we're still living in a fallen world. And we have not yet reached the point where everyone has knelt down and confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. If they did, it would change our world drastically. But until they do, we'll continue to see the effects of sin and the sin nature around us. But we who have the hope of Jesus in us, we live with this triumphant hope that we have overcome sin and death because of what Jesus did on the cross. We've overcome it. Now here's the reality, and and this is kind of what I want to go to even as we talk this last part about sickness here. We hate the idea that someday we're going to die. Come on, think about it for a second. Don't we hate that? We hate that. If you've got maybe family members, friends, we hate the idea that someday mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, that they're going to pass and they're not going to be with us anymore. Don't we hate that? Come on, let's just think about it for a second. We're not a fan, right? But here's the reality that we live with. None of us is getting out of this world alive. Unless Jesus comes back, right, and takes us to heaven with him, there's none of us getting out of this world alive. But we live our lives hoping to stave it off forever. I've read studies recently that they think there are people alive today who could live to the age of 130 or 140 years old just because of medical advances technology. Uh, This week we are actually celebrating uh, Chris Fear in the back, 100 years old this week. So (laughs) praise the Lord. faithful follower of Jesus and a World War II veteran. We're just, we're so honored to have Chris with us and to celebrate him. But, but you know what? None of us is going to live here forever. And so this leads into the next question that I feel like we have to wrestle with in some cases. Why are even godly people sometimes not healed? How, how can that be that even faithful people, because I'm sure every one of us in here has a, a, I knew somebody who was a faithful follower of Jesus, who believed and trusted in Jesus, and they were not healed. Why does that happen? Well, let's look at a couple scriptures here. Matthew chapter 15, verses 30 and 31. This is Jesus, okay? And he, he's, he's in ministry here, and this is what it says. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, 
crippled and those who couldn't speak and many others. They laid them before Jesus and he healed them all. How many did he heal? All. It wasn't like most. It wasn't a majority. He healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking and the blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. Now, here's something we have to look at in Scripture, and it's a reality. Any and all healing that we see in Scripture is a sign to prove God's power. So when Jesus' ministry, when he begins to go about just healing everybody, the purpose of it is to display the power of God, that he is the Messiah, he is sent from God, he is the, 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 the one who will pay the ransom for our sin, okay? That all has to be proven as he shows himself to be the healer, okay? So if we're looking at Jesus only, right, then we would say that our theology of healing is this, Jesus heals everyone, right? Let's bow our heads and be dismissed because Jesus heals everyone, right? but yet we sometimes don't experience healing. Why? Well, there's been a lot of condemnation attached to it over the years. There are people who will say, well, if you don't get healing, it's because you must have a secret sin that no one knew about, that you're, you're, not, you're not being open about and you're keeping behind closed doors or, or, or maybe something. But here's the reality. Jesus healed a blind man, right? And when they said, well, was this man blind because of the mother or the father? And they're having this debate and Jesus literally says, neither one. Like, what a foolish thought. This is not because of sin. This was so that God could be glorified, so that the power of God could be put on display. So we see these things that happen, and there's a, there's a, a negativity because the other part of it is, well, if I'm not healed, then what's wrong with me? If I'm seeking healing, then what's wrong with me? Now, I want to say this first and foremost. I have been in my life miraculously healed. As I said earlier, when I asked people to raise their hand, I'm one. Okay, when I was 14 years old, I had a seizure disorder and I had to take a ton of medication to keep from having seizures. All right, went to a church service and I'm there. There was a guest speaker, did not know me, walked up to me, laid his hands on me to pray for me. And he said, God wants you to know that you are called to ministry and to prove it to you, he's going to heal you. And I was instantly and miraculously healed of my seizure disorder. I never took another pill ever again. I've never had another seizure ever again. I also went into ministry. I figure if God's going to prove it, that's true. I better obey, right? I believe in healing. 2012 and 13, my back was so jacked up, I lived in pain for five straight months. And I begged God, heal my back. God, you're able. I've got the same faith that I had then. I believed then and you healed me then. I believe now. Why won't you heal me now? I, I, I'm not hiding a secret sin. And here's all the things that we just wrestle with. I, I, what's wrong? Why aren't you healing me now, God? What's, what's the big deal? You could, I, why do I have to have surgery? You could just heal it. I had to have surgery. And so we wrestle with this, like why does God heal sometimes but not heal other times? Is it because we lack faith? Is it because we have some secret sin we're dealing with? Is it because God's mad at us? I wanna show you two places in scripture where we actually see accounts of people not getting healed. Did you know this was in your Bible? There's two places in Scripture. First is 2 Kings 13, 14. This is talking about a man named Elisha. Now, real quickly, Elisha was a prophet of Israel. Um, he was one of two major prophets during the time of the kings, okay? And Elisha did so many things for God, miracles upon miracles upon miracles that God worked through Elisha. And then this is what we read in first, verse 14. When Elisha was in his last illness, 
King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. He goes to this great man of God who has done so many things for the Lord, but is now terminally ill and is just flabbergasted. Like, what, what is going on? In fact, if you continue to read, there is a point later in time where some individuals are having a funeral for a friend, and they're in this valley, and they see some raiders coming, and they're like, oh no, we don't want to deal with these raiders. So they take their friend, and they throw him into uh, the same place where Elisha is buried. And the Bible tells us that when their friend's body touched Elisha's bones, he was revived to life. How is this... How is this playing out that this incredible man of God who's done so many miracles and so many incredible things for the Lord is going to die of a terminal illness? Now, okay, we can say that's Old Testament. Let's go forward here. New Testament. Paul is speaking to Timothy, right? His second letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. And he says this, he's giving a greeting to Timothy. He's like, hey, tell everybody there I said hello. Everybody here says hi. And they're all waving back and forth basically in this letter. And then he tells him this in verse 20. I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Now what? This is, this is the age of like Peter is walking down the road and his shadow is healing people. How is it that in this age of the church and of incredible ministry, we have a man who is tra- a companion of Paul and this man is sick and Paul says, I left him behind in, a t- in Miletus and I left him behind sick. He was left there. How is that possible? Church, we can get really hung up on the why, when, where, how, why does God, why does God not, when will he, will, what, maybe he won't. And we really get caught up in really what's truly our own desire. I don't know about you, but I have conversations with God sometimes where it's like, hey, God, if we were doing things my way, we'd do it this way, right? And maybe if you even get more spiritual than that, I know I've been down this path before. God, healing is a sign of your miraculous power to a world that is unbelieving. If you would just heal me, then I would tell everybody about how awesome you are and that you're a healer, and I would just be a walking testimony of your goodness. I'm trying to make it more about him than me, right? Why is it that one time God heals and one time God doesn't? Why is it that one time God does something miraculous and another time it just seems to play itself? Why would this happen? It's so frustrating. Church, what we need to grab hold of first and foremost is this. Jesus is a healer. He's a healer. God heals people. He heals them physically, mentally, emotionally, But what God is more concerned about than any and all of these things combined is healing the disease of sin in our lives. It's his number one priority. Listen, none of us are getting out of this world alive. And believe me, I want to hold on to this life as long as anybody else does, some days. But the reality is that what Jesus did for us on the cross, it guaranteed that we would have healing from sin in our lives but there are times and places where we see that God does not heal and I want to speak to that because there is too much condemnation why why me did I do something wrong is it what's my do I not have enough faith and it just begins to come and come and come what it's me I did something wrong it's it's my problem why 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 church I believe with all my heart that God is a healer 
God is a healer. We have people in this room who are, are believing and praying for God to do miraculous things, and I'm believing and praying with you for God to do miraculous things. But here's the thing that we've got to settle on. Even if God never heals another person physically ever again, he's still good because he healed the most wicked and broken part of us through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Our victory is this, and it said, we were reading it a minute ago, all would have victory over sin and death. Now, did he eradicate death and say death is no more? No, he said, death, where is your sting? Because the power of the cross has removed the sting of death because even when we die, we go into eternity with Jesus. We go into a place where there is no sorrow, there is no mourning, there is no pain, there is no sin, and we live in eternity with God. Church, I still believe that God does healing today. I believe in miracles. Believe me, when I need God to do something, I'm still on my hands and knees begging God, Lord, you are a miracle worker, work a miracle. God, you are a healer, bring a healing. But I also have to come to the place of of reconciling within myself that if God does, I'll give him glory, and if God doesn't, I'll give him glory. He's worthy in both. He's worthy in both. Because even if he never, and, and, and and it's hard to even think this, but even if God never did another thing for my physical body, he redeemed my soul from the pit of hell for eternity. That's enough. That's enough. Do I want them to heal my knees when they're aching or my ankles? Or, not that I have all these problems, but if, I'm, if that's where you're at, yes, we do. But if he does it, he's good. And if he doesn't do it, he's good. If he does it, we'll give him glory. If he doesn't do it, we'll give him glory. It's not because we're just messed up or broken or don't have enough faith or whatever it is. God himself can only answer those questions. And I'd love to tell you, hey, if you want healing, all you got to do is say this on this day in this place in this way and jump up and down this many times and say, it just doesn't work that way. God does what he does and I can't explain it. But I can and I do believe that God is still good when he heals and I believe he's still good when he doesn't heal because what he healed that was most important to me, what is most important to you and to your family and friends and neighbors and even your worst enemy is that he healed the sin of sickness in our lives. Through this one man, Adam, sin sin came into the world. But thanks be to God, the gift of grace is that through this other man, Jesus Christ, we have been healed of our sickness, our disease of sin, and we can have relationship with God. I wanna close in prayer in in just a second here, but I, I I wanna pray specifically for something today. I wanna pray for those of you who are in here who are seeking God for healing because I believe God's a healer. And we need to believe that God is a healer and and call out to him for healing in our lives if we want to see that take place. Now, can I stand here and give a personal guarantee that if we pray right here, right now, you're gonna be healed or that if you say the right thing, I I don't have those things. That's That's to the will of God and whatever he does or doesn't decide to do, I trust him. But I want us to believe by faith because I do believe God is a healer. And so if you're here today, um, and I, I don't know why I just feel led to do it this way for the second service, but if you're here today and you would say, I, I need God to bring healing to me, can I ask you to just stand where you are? Anybody else? Yeah, a couple of them. I need God to bring healing to me. Yeah, 
There's no condemnation in it. Absolutely. Somebody important to me. I need God to bring somebody healing to someone important to me. Guess we're not as alone as we thought, huh? They need God to bring healing. Anybody else? Look around. It's easy to feel the condemnation of these moments when we need healing. When we need something from God, it feels like that's just me. I'm just the one. I'm just broken. I'm just the one that's not good enough for God to do something. But God is good. He loves you and he has a plan. And I want us to pray together and believe for God to bring healing to the needs in every one of our lives because he's faithful. So can I ask you to just pray with us? And if you want, just begin to pray for somebody around you in your, in your own space here. But let's just begin to pray for those of us who are in that place. I need healing. I need healing because God's a healer. So Lord, I just pray right now for every single person in this room that stood to their feet, Lord, whether it be for them, whether it be for a family member or a friend or, or whatever it is, God, something that tugged at their hearts because they need healing. And Lord, we are, we are such a people filled with condemnation when it comes to our need. We look around and we feel like, if I confess that I needed this, then there must be something wrong with me, that people might look down on me or think differently about me. But God, we call on the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus right now in this place for healing virtue to flow in the people who are standing in faith and saying, God, here I am, heal me. Here I am, Lord, you said that you are the healer and everyone who was brought before you was healed. And Lord, we're laying every one of these individuals right before you as those crowds did. And we're saying, God, be the healer in these lives today. Be the healer in these families. Be the healer in these relationships. Lord, work miracles on your people. And Lord, remove that condemnation that has been upon so many of their hearts. Lord, bring freedom that it's not about them and it's not about their brokenness or how they're just maybe unworthy or something. Lord, you died for all of us. Your stripes were for all of us. Your blood was shed for all of us. And we believe in the healing power of Almighty God to work miracles in our lives. And so, Lord, right now we just agree together and confess together by faith and believe, Lord, you are the healer. Come and heal and restore as only you can do. And whether you do it or you don't do it, we will give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor that is due to your holy name because you have healed us from the most broken part of our existence by giving us your son Jesus and restoring right relationship between us and you, God. And we give you glory for that. We trust in you. We believe wholeheartedly in your goodness. And we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You guys can be seated. Listen. If you experience healing, please tell us. We love to share those stories of God's miraculous healing in our lives uh, because when we do, it continues to encourage us that we serve a healing Savior.